Hi, friends. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm living life. That's my response literally every week. (laughs) Um, My response is living the dream. So you can see how it's changed from generation. Well, I guess you're a millennial too, aren't you? I don't know anymore. I'm like a cusper. Okay. That makes me feel better anyway. Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat. This has been the bright spot of my week is getting to talk about Honey Girl with you. So yes, me too. Cause I freaking love this book. Um, yeah, that's, that's our episode, by the way, today we're talking about Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. And we have a super fun guest, right? Yes, we do. Uh, her name is Katie. She is my girlfriend. So that's, that's fun. I don't even know if we were dating when we started. Oh yes, we were dating when we started this podcast, but still very fun. That was fun. Super exciting. I'm really excited to have had her on the show. And again, this book um, was a bright spot in my month and it's a bright spot to get to talk about with you. Yeah, definitely. I've been in a little bit of a reading slump lately. So yeah. And this book like didn't help. Like I, um, I mean, it took me a little while to get through. Um, but I think it's again, cause the books that I have the highest expectations for, like are the hardest for me to read, honestly. Like, I think it's just because I, I have so much hope for them. And like, I don't know. It's like, I'm worried about them disappointing me. Yeah, I get that for sure. I mean, like when, like last month I had such a good reading month and I kept, I was always afraid to pick up my next book because I, like every book I'd read was so good and I loved it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like, have such a streak going of high rated books. And then like, I'd be afraid the next one wasn't as good and it thought that did definitely happen and I'm kind of going through the same thing right now I'm reading this book called Brood by uh Jackie Polzin I think is how you say your name and it's her debut novel and it's a stream of consciousness so you would hate it um and it's about a middle-aged woman um raising four chickens in her backyard <laughs> And I, my mom raises chickens, so that's why I decided to read this. And it's good. Um, and I thought it would be fast because it's less than 300 pages, uh, but, but it, it's not fast. So when I have expectations for books, they do not go the way that I thought they would. Yeah, I feel that. I also have been like, um, I feel like when I'm the most stressed is when I find myself daydreaming the most. Um, and lately I've been daydreaming about a book that I want to write and I ha- like created a Scrivener file and started like building characters. So, I mean, who knows if I'll actually complete the project, but that's been like a fun, another fun thing for me to focus my attention on a little bit. Um, and I'm enjoying that process. Although I really like, I think I enjoy the story building part that more than the actual writing. <laughs> I'm the same way. I love coming up with ideas for stories. And then it's like, mm, it's so much work to actually put all of that together. <laughs> I know. So um, maybe you'll see a book come out for me in three years and maybe you won't. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for it. Better happen. Better at least finish updating your fanfic. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, it, it's like it's been over a year. So <laughs> It can, you can always pick it back up. Somebody just liked one of my um, fan fictions from fanfic.net that I forgot that account still existed. I posted a story there more than 10 years ago and someone just commented on it. I like fell out of my chair when I saw that the other day. 
I wrote a one shot like maybe in like August or September and um I still get a bunch of kudos randomly. That's because yours is so unique and good and everybody wants more of it including your best friend. No this is the one shot like this is not the. Oh I still like that too that's and also unique and good. Yeah um I wrote a, a one shot about um Maria Hill and the Black Widow if anyone um is a fan of that pairing um it's on AO3 and I'm not going to tell you what it's called but I can't even find it that's just a tease fine it's called bitter it's a one shot it came out in like maybe September (laughs) all right internet sleuths do your do your work go find it I'll I'll post it on uh our page if you find it oh god and the other one we always talk about is one that I made that's based on the parent trap but it's in Rizzoli and Isles fandom it's very embarrassing because like no one I feel like under the age of 40 even knows what that is (laughs) that's maybe fair (laughs) um but our other bright spot this week was what we got to do on Sunday right Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so our friends from Bright Young Things um, podcast, they came on when we talked about They Never Learn. Um, they asked us to come on their podcast and we played games. It was um, honestly more fun than ours. So you should definitely go listen. Super fun. Um, and Bailey was the mean friend. I was not. I just wanted to. Yeah, for once, I was the one that was being uh, tortured on the show. So um, Austin and Sophia put a lot of work into into those questions that they asked um, and the games that we played. And it was a blast. I'm so excited. It's supposed to come out on the 19th, March 19th, which is Friday. So hopefully they come out at the same time. Um, that's on us, not on them. We probably will not get this up on, t- on time knowing us. Um, but definitely check out the Bright Young Things pod. Um, they're an excellent friend hang. Yeah, they're so fun. Um, and like uh, inspired by them, I came up with some questions for us to talk about real quick. Um, they're most likely to. Um, and I feel like they're going to spark some disagreements. Yeah. So the first one. Except for the first Inspired. one. <laughs> the first, well, yeah, the first one's like, well, okay, let's ignore the fact that like we're in relationships and oh, just think about like personality. Um, mm-hmm. And this is inspired by Honey Girl too. Who is the most likely to get married in Vegas? You are. I still, I think it's me, but like. 100%. Even if I wasn't in a relationship, I am not spontaneous enough, nor do I get blackout drunk. Not that you do either but you're, you're more spontaneous and free spirited, um, and willing to get married in Vegas. I I would probably be more likely to get kidnapped in Vegas. (laughs) I would, I would get, be likely to get married in Vegas, but I feel like I am not likely to end up with the person. (laughs) You're not likely to what? End up with the person. Like, I feel like I would get married to a stranger that is like someone that I wouldn't even end up liking that much. (laughs) That's fair, but but you would still be more likely to do do the act. For sure. Um, this one may be a little more difficult. Um, okay, we're going to disregard like the moral implications of this and just go with like the fun logistical part. Who is more likely to successfully pull off a heist? Because these are my favorite kind of books, our heist books. Um, I, that's why I think that you're more likely to pull it off. I don't know. 
I'm like, I'm organized and like, I love making lists and plans, but I don't think I would know what it takes to pull off a heist. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the same for me too. Like I, I mean, I have ideas, but like you have to know the right people to help you. This is true. And I, I don't think I do. Also, I don't like, I feel like you're more like aware of risks than I am. So I feel like you would be able to anticipate more issues that would arise than me. This is okay. I might, I might say that, yes, I am less risk, more risk averse than you are. Therefore, I would pay more attention to those things. So really, it would take both of us to pull off heist. <laughs> True. Okay. okay. Uh, and what would we steal? What do you, what would you like to steal? I'm going to go with art, I think. Jewelry's fun, like an Ocean's 8 type situation. Uh, I think money is too hard. I'm going to go with, I would probably do art. I would want to do um, a famous crown. That's art, you know, like a tiara. Like I would jewelry, that's more jewelry, but yeah. that is also art. Yeah, I feel like jewelry is probably the easiest thing. The art that I'd want to steal would be not a painting or it would be it would be difficult to steal. I don't even know how we would do it. Why would you want to steal? Um, the, it's in the, it's at the Cincinnati Art Museum right now. It's called All the Flowers Are For Me. I posted about it on my personal Instagram. Did you see that? I did, but I, well, I saw that you were at the art museum, but I don't remember exactly. Like so it's what, this what giant that? steel box that is carved. Um, and then she hangs a light in the center of it. It's like a chandelier. And it makes this beautiful yes. pattern on the wall. Yeah. So I want to steal that. And I'm pretty sure that weighs a whole lot. Um, and it's hanging on the ceiling. So like, I'm sure there's some pressure sensors associated with like when it moves. And then it's probably loud. And we'd also have to figure out the electrical piece of like removing it. So there's just, and it's huge. So like, it's not like you can like put it in a bag to try and get it out. You know what I mean? That would be a difficult one. I feel like I'd want to go big or go home and like get, do something really famous. Like my favorite, um, I really like impressionist art and uh, my favorite is Degas. Degas, I don't even know how you say that. That's really terrible. I think it's Degas. Um, was uh, Degas that. like ballerinas. Um, okay. There's like a a statue sculpture and paintings yes um and I think I would actually want to do the sculpture it's at the Met I think or is that the loop no I think it's at the Met um so that would be cool too all right I mean I I would I would do my best to help you but I am not convinced we would successfully be able to pull off an art heist Oh, I'm like pretty positive that we would not, I would love to write an art heist book actually, but I like, I would take so much research to figure that out. Did you read Allie the Carter? Um, I have started it several times, but I've not been able to get through it. It's a difficult one, but it seems like one you would like, because it is about crazy art heist, kind of crazy art heists. Yeah, I need to go back to it. Books that we need to read. Um, well, uh, spoiler alert we honey girl we have decided is a book that you need to read and I can't wait to talk about it yeah I'm super excited to discuss it I'm 
pretty much across the board, we decided it was a fabulous book um, and you should definitely read it. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and introduce our guest and dive right in. So um, our guest today is my wonderful, lovely girlfriend, Katie. Um, I'm so excited to have her on here because I always try to get her to read the books that I want to read. And we normally have very different tastes in books. So I'm happy that we're finally getting to talk about them. Uh, Katie, say hi, introduce yourselves. Tell us all about you. Okay. Hello. Um, I'm also very excited to be talking about this book because it is one of the few books that Bailey and I have both read. Um, I am currently a master's student in New York City um, and I've lived in New York for um, a decade now so I don't know. Practically a native? Practically a New York? I guess yeah I don't know I don't know what that (laughs) hits the scale but anyway um, yeah so that's pretty much just my life um it's lovely to meet you this is my first time getting to meet katie and i am thrilled anyone that's important to bailey is has to pass my test basically um i'm just kidding no pressure pressure. um (laughs) so you said this is the first book that you and bailey have really read together do you are you a big reader do you like to read and you guys just have different tastes yes yeah i do really like to read um but we don't have a lot of genres in common so I also don't read as much now like in grad school but um I mainly have been reading like lately probably the last few years like a lot of thrillers like really light um I mean I guess thrillers aren't like light but they're like really easy to like get into and stay hooked and like finish quickly um which I like when I'm also doing like academic reading um and then I Uh, I read like a handful of contemporary and I really like um, sci-fi fantasy also so romance is definitely not my go-to and um, YA also I don't read a lot of anymore so it was kind of fun I mean this wasn't yeah this wasn't YA but it was fun to read a book that was slightly out of your comfort zone yeah exactly yeah this was a good romance to get into because it wasn't super bodice ripper romance like it was more of a contemporary thoughtful reflective piece so um I love your reading taste also love thrillers so we'll have to chat about that that's exciting um but Bailey do you want to talk about the book where where we read yeah um well one note we always talk about how much we love red white and royal blue on this podcast um I bought it for Katie she refuses to read it so that's a hill I'm literally going to die on (laughs) It's not that I refuse to read it. It's just that there are other books I'd rather read first. Um, and I'll read it one day. It is truly incredible. Prioritize <laughs> it. That's all I'm asking. You don't have to read it like next, but prioritize because it's and so good. Everyone who listens to this should like DM us and tell her to read it. And I'll send her the screenshots every day until she does. That's anyway. <laughs> Um, when talking about like romance versus contemporary, that's, um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about, but, um, our book for this episode is Honey Girl. It is by Morgan Rogers. And, um, fun fact, if you listen to our podcast where I talked about like my most anticipated, anticipated reads of 2021, this was like literally number one. So I'd like 
so much uh, expectations going into this book. But um, basically a quick summary that I got from Book of the Month was um, when a classic Virgo gets spontaneously married, she starts re-examining her life and what it is she truly wants. Um, that's a very like, uh, like slim down uh, summary of this book. It's about so much more. But I also want to mention that there are uh, trigger warnings. I feel like sometimes we forget to do that, but for this one, I feel like it's kind of important. Um, there's like mental health and self-harm depictions and discussions of racism and homophobia. Um, also, I got a lot of the questions and discussion things um, and the quote that I'm about to share from the publisher's book club guide. So just want to give them credit for that. Um, but also, before we get into it, I want to share this note from the author, um, kind of like the one that Peyton shared in our first episode about Felix Ever After. I really liked what she shared there, so I feel like Morgan Rogers is good, too. Um, she said, the story of Honey Girl is a deeply personal part of me. I wrote it to encapsulate what it's like to feel very small and inconsequential in this world in ways that seem very real and relevant to those my age and those who share my marginalized communities. Ultimately, Honey Girl is my way of telling every Black woman, every woman of color, every marginalized person who has ever had to cover themselves in armor and defend themselves with thick skin and claws and teeth that they are not alone. It gave me chills, honestly. Like I like, I could tell this was a deeply personal story. Uh, the way that it was written and, and the narrative that Morgan Rogers used, um, but that it's it's something else to hear it made concrete with her words and definite. Def, I mean, that book accomplishes what she wanted to accomplish. Yeah, she definitely has a way with words. But um, the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about is um, like kind of how expectations like influence a book when you're reading it, especially for this one. Like I said, I, okay, I heard about this book on uh, the Books to Gays podcast back like literally, I feel like it was the end of summer, beginning of fall when they were interviewing Meryl Wilsner who wrote um, something to talk about, which was my favorite book of last year. She recommended this book saying it was going to come out in 2021 and um, that she like loved it and recommended it to fans of her book. So I was expecting this going in to be like something to talk about, like a fluffy, I mean, not that something to talk about is that fluffy, but it's still like a really lighthearted romance. And this is just so different from that, that I think like my expectations just like we're so different from what it ended up being and it maybe like colored my view of the book a bit because it definitely I think ended up being way more of a coming of age novel than like a romance novel uh what do you guys think okay you want you can go first <laughs> okay yeah so I think it's interesting because I kind of had the opposite like um reaction I guess so what I knew about this going into it was pretty much what was on the blurb um that it was like about two women who get married in Vegas after just meeting and then it's like what happens after um and so because I, that doesn't sound like that's generally not a plot that would um like interest me and um I went into it thinking it was going to be kind of like fluffier and less um about like being a millennial I guess like I, I don't know how for lack of another way to describe it like it felt very much like um like what being in your like mid to late 20s like that was more the focus than anything else so I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would although I will say like I was hoping to get a little bit more um out of like the 
the like plot line of them um, getting married, like with, with just meeting each other and then like, you know, what hijinks ensued from there, which it was much more serious than that. Yeah, I um, totally agree with you. So Bailey recommended this book. Bailey reads a certain type of book, God Lover. I know what to expect, like typically. And um, the, the back is, yeah, it talks about a like a shotgun wedding in Vegas. And so I expected, and the cover is like kind of whimsical. She's got flowers in her hair. So I, I expected a fluffy read and I expected it to mostly be about the hijinks of two people getting married in Vegas and not knowing each other. And really that dream, that champagne bubble dream that she uses to describe that part of their relationship throughout the book, that really was just like something for her to look fondly back on because she really did after she got over the, oh my God, I'm married. What did I do? Classic Virgo situation um she that she used that to anchor herself throughout the rest of the book and like to remember what could be um and so it was much more serious than I expected it to be covered a lot of really difficult topics um I was in my emotions for most of the way through that I read this um but I I loved that about it I'm really glad that it wasn't like I would have been happy if it was a sugar bubblegum pink book too but I'm glad that I wasn't, it wasn't, I'm glad that it was more serious than I was expecting. Yeah. Would you guys even call it a romance? Like, I don't know that I would, I would call it more like a contemporary coming of age novel. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, the romance was probably less than like a third of the entire book. And it was more important about loving yourself for both of them and all of them, right? Like learning to love themselves for who they are and who they could be was just as important as um uh Yuki and and uh, her falling in love so for sure and like I yeah I definitely loved what the book was but I just like wish that I hadn't gone into it expecting it to be like this yeah get married in Vegas like have some like fun moments of getting to know each other and like lots of sexual tension and like it just it wasn't like that so I I really wish that I had just like not heard anything about it before I read it and I think I would have like had a different mindset about it but it definitely still was like so good did you struggle to get into it because of that like did you have okay a little bit well yeah and more just like struggle to get through it like I don't know but I I still really like it for what it is so it's fine (laughs) Katie how long did it take you to read it are you a fast reader um I'm a pretty fast reader and I was I would say like pretty like what's the word like brought into the plot like I was I wanted to know what was going to happen next yeah um like it was engaging for me to read so it wasn't like a struggle to get through. Um, I feel like there were some parts in like there, especially when um, like she's back in Florida, like when Grace is in Florida that like were really drawn out and it just like <laughs> took me like a long time to want to um, like get back into that part if I like stopped or something like that. But I think most of the rest of it was pretty like engaging and fast paced. Yeah, I agree. I think towards the end is when it was, I was like, okay, like, I, like now I, I want it to get a little more romancy. <laughs> I want to wrap it up because it's, it's not a long book, but it's so emotionally 
draining that like by the time you get to the end, you're like, okay, I need, I need some happy stuff and I need it to happen quickly. <laughs> so at least that's how I read it. I think it was almost like um, different for me. I think by the time that we got to the part where she was in Florida, I was like set, um, like set up for the fact that like this was Grace was going to be dealing with her own issues and her own like spiraling. And like, that was what we need to focus on. The part that I expected more from is when she was in New York with Yuki, like that's when I expected more romance. And like, I mean, there was some, but like, it just, I don't know, it wasn't fluffy. So yeah, I mean, definitely was a, a bare bones, slow burn romance for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I mean, I, I felt like this was very relatable to like the millennial New York experience, like that part of it, like, especially there were just like a lot of details about astrology and like the roommate experience living here and in Harlem, like all of these things that I'm very familiar with. So I really liked that just because I could relate to that part, but I agree that like, it wasn't very romancy, but also, you know, like they got married without knowing each other. So <laughs> maybe like they just needed more like time together. I don't know. That's why when she like left um, New York, it was, I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like the, like on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, like they've literally probably only spent 36 hours together. And in the end they're engaged and then their engagements last for six years because now they're finally just getting to know each other. And so they needed the, like the, the awkward, like they didn't even kiss the first time that like they needed those awkward first date moments. And I would have expected more of that based on what I thought the book was going to be about. And really we saw more of the introspective part on Grace's side. I would have loved, I would love a companion novel. <laughs> Morgan Rogers, if you're listening, also write it from Yuki's point of view. I, I would love to know how because she's so fascinating and uh, everything she did I loved I'd love to know what went was going through her mind more during those months in New York yeah and what she thought like how she felt when um Grace left her yeah um well we can move on to the next thing I want to talk about is that we are all overachievers here Katie is in grad school at Columbia I'm in law school uh, Peyton is going to be the youngest, most successful financial consultant, female financial consultant to ever exist. Um, so I feel like we can all really relate to like what I thought was one of the most relatable for me parts of the book is that like Grace is such an overachiever and she literally spends so much time like dedicated to like single-mindedly pursuing her goal and letting kind of everything else fall to the side because she feels like that's what she has to do. Like, that's how she's like worthy. That's how she's good enough. And then when it's over, it's like, what, what next? Like there's kind of, she talks about like a loss of control when like her hard work isn't single-handedly determining like what's happening in her life. And I felt that like so much, especially when I graduated from college, I was like, felt very lost too. So do you guys feel like you can relate to that? Yes, um, absolutely. I have been in more than one situation in my current career and in the career I had before I went into finance, which I was, I was a store manager for a grocery store, big chain, um, here in Cincinnati. And I 
thought that if I did everything that I was supposed to do and I checked all the boxes and I showed up every day and I worked like literally seven days a week, 12 hours a day, I was going to be the best and they were going to see that. And it was going to be so easy to like move on to the next step. And what I, what, what was really reflective for me reading this book is I was able to go, oh yeah, I've been there. Like where my hard work I isn't, isn't working and I don't, and I feel like I'm losing that control that Grace was feeling, but I have never had to be in a situation where on top of that, I am the only white person in the room. I'm the only woman, like I've never been in that situation where Grace is not only working her ass off to be perfect because she thinks she has to be, but she's also clawing to create space for herself in spaces that haven't made room for her ever before. And that was like, that, that was so powerfully descriptive or de depicted in this book and really um, like such an amazing thing to have to read through and realize and like able to sit back and take away from myself and go, how privileged am I that I haven't ever had to have that kind of space that I've had to fight for. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think you put, like, you put it exactly right. I also, you know, I'm in my late twenties now. And, um, I think that, you know, um, this seems to be a very common experience for people that I know that are around my age of the, you check all the boxes going through school, you go to grad school, like then what? Um, and it feels like we've had so much structure for so many years and then there's no structure and it's just like, well, like there's no one to help you and you know, you're just drowning. Um, so like, I think that is very relatable. And then I think it's also very important that the, the other aspect that, you know, Grace is going through that also myself as a white woman has not had to face is, like some of the more systemic barriers that might play into um, some of that feeling of like lo loss of structure, loss of direction. So yeah, I mean, I think that's not at all what I expected um, of this book, but it was really like relatable and interesting to read. For sure. And I think it's so important that she's the age she is because we don't read very many books of people that are 27 through like, there's a lot of young adult books. There's a whole freaking genre, right? And then contemporary really kind of skips that mid-adult age, that like just brand new adult trying to figure. And it's, I think it's the most interesting because I'm going through it, like thing to read about, like of all the roadblocks that you can come up on and all the things that you thought you had a plan for that all of a sudden you didn't. And so this is the first time that I've really read a book from that perspective. And it was really refreshing <laughs> um, to be like, oh, all right, well, this is normal. And I am glad that like everybody that wants to be perfect, like, and that works so hard, like you're, go you're, you're gonna struggle and it's okay to not feel okay in those moments. And Grace really had to learn that throughout this. Yeah, I think the part, especially that like, just freaking like, made me so sad but like feel understood at the same time as when she realized that like her like worth as a person was not tied to her achievement and like she she felt the pressure from her parents and from everyone else but like really all of the pressure that she was putting on herself to be perfect was like came from herself and that she 
could let go of that. And I mean, it's a really hard process to learn to let go of it. But like when she realized that she could just like be messy and still be like enough was like really powerful. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that she found a therapist that was able to help her get there. Yeah. Um, And also that kind of goes to like this show or (laughs) this book, I feel like shows a really realistic example of someone who is like, like has deteriorating mental health, but like is still really high functioning and like doesn't even realize how bad it is until she's at her breaking point. Like, do you guys feel like that was realistic and relatable? Yes, I think so. Um, Especially for like a perfectionist. (laughs) Yeah, for somebody that like never stops to really like they look in the mirror and and only see the surface level and never really stop to think about how how it's impacting them overall. Um, I thought that was a very and I thought I thought it was very accurate description and I thought the support that she received from her friends and her found family and her family um, was an accurate description of all different levels of people going yeah it's like of course it's okay like yes you need to be doing this to the to also like like when her dad first found out and and the guilt that he felt and like how his reaction to her seeing a therapist and having not gone through the research program and that she's actually hiding in New York all summer like I thought that was all a very realistic portrayal. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so interesting thinking about this now, like in the book, because while I was reading this, I think it almost felt like two separate books in my mind. Like one was like the love story with like Yuki and with like Grace and her friends. Um, And then the other part of it was like her mental health things. And it kind of felt like that, came out of nowhere in the middle of the book to me but at the same time like I can see why like if it's really supposed to be like from her point of view like she didn't realize what was going on um so it almost yeah it just it it felt like it kind of shifted into like a whole different book when we got to that part but I do think like it is relatable um and realistic that a lot of the time people don't realize how like much they need support and help until they get to some really low point I think it was really great like the way um her mom was helping her like find a therapist that like worked for her and even like just normalizing the idea of like going to multiple therapists and finding one that like clicks with you and um and then like talking about it with your friends and like trying different things out to see like you know she tried different medications and um I think that's like a thing that many many people experience but it's not like often um written about at least for like our age so um yeah yeah, I feel like portrayals in media for therapy is like the first person you talk to is going to fix all of your problems and the first medication you try is not going to make you feel like shit and like so yeah I think that this was good to show that it's not a perfect fit the first time and it's important to keep trying Oh, and when she like turned off her phone and like didn't text, talk to any of her friends for like a month, I was like, that is the most relatable thing I've ever read because I feel tempted to do that like once a week. <laughs> yeah, same. But one thing I did that like at least made me think a little bit about the point is she at some point like basically decides just to run away from all of her problems. And um, I, I think that not everyone has the privilege to do that. 
And um, I think that's one part that like, I don't know, would have been interesting. I feel like her friends actually kind of call her out on that, that they're like, you know, you just ran away. Like we have our issues. Like not all of us can just like go live on a beautiful orange orchard and not have to worry about money and like just run away from all of our problems. And like, I don't know, like I, I'm glad that that worked for Grace, but I just, I can't help but think that's like a lot, like really unrealistic for a lot of people. Yeah, it was Raj that called her out when he came to New York and um, when their relationship got a little heated, that was a very uncomfortable scene to read. Um, But I I agree, like not especially having gone through grad school, getting her doctorate, I'm sure she's in loads of debt or her dad helped her pay for school and she's not in debt. So she's got a privilege either way that she's able to run away and, and not deal with that. But I also think that was her at her least healthy um, and she'd hit rock bottom. And so she had nowhere else to go but up. And so she had to go to her safest place. And I do think the idea of like, you know, I, I was getting frustrated when I was reading it that like every time she got more stressed out, she would just like leave um, because that's basically what going to New York was, which is leaving. And then she like, and people in her life were telling her like, you're just leaving. Like you need to deal with your issues. She was like, no, like <laughs> I'm going to run away again. Like she wasn't even yeah. like self-aware or not like, or like she wouldn't accept it. But I do think there is something about like a lot of people in their twenties, like going back home um, and having that experience of like living at home and like working out their issues or like living at home because they like need to, you know, figure out their next steps. Um, So like, definitely, like it definitely was a privilege that she was able to do that, but I don't think it's like an unusual experience. Yeah. And not a shameful one either to go home. Like if, if you can, and if that's a safe thing for you to do and if, if it's, if it's what you need, then do it. Yeah, true. Um, another thing I really wanted to talk about, um, with this is, uh, oh, Yuki's radio show, like about the stories with all the monsters. Like, I felt like that in itself was like its own little theme of the book. Like what, what are your guys' thoughts about that? Do either of you listen to lore? Mm -mm. No. Um, okay. Funny enough, ironically enough, I like don't listen to podcasts very often because I don't have the attention span. Okay. Well, Laura is short. They're like 30 minute episodes. I'm pretty sure they're not very long. And it is Yuki's podcast, but it's by a man. Um, but he has the most calming, like ASMR voice. I love it. And he tells these weird stories and they're to connect people like he tells this story and then he talks about how it's a greater connection like how maybe we're seeing this monster but maybe we're all just seeing this monster because we all just want to be connected and so when they went on the monster hunt at whatever lake they were at I was like oh my god this is like this is a true like I listen to this podcast because I was like going oh man I wish I could listen to this radio show but it's a podcast it's out there I loved it um, I thought it was such an interesting and unique piece of storytelling to add to, to this media. Yeah, and I feel like just the theme, sorry, the theme of the monsters, like everyone has a monster within. Um, and also like that Yuki wanted to just like believe in people and believe in things. Like all of that was like themes of the book that were like played out in this radio show, which like I think it's like a genius plot device like I don't know I just I thought it was like really really cool and I 
never thought I would have been into something like that, but I like loved it. Yeah, I think like I'm really into like mythical, fantastical monsters. So I thought that was really fun. Also, like they're in New York and it made me want to like go try to find that lake that they went to um, and like start monster hunting or whatever. That sounds amazing. Um, I think like at points the metaphor was laid on pretty thick like what to the point where like is it a metaphor if like she's just saying all the time like your monster like it's your monster like their monsters inside me like basically just referencing it all like a lot um yeah, I agree you know I mean I I but I thought it was like a fun like side part of the book that also it was like really cute that like Grace like and Yuki kind of bonded over the show like she would go listen to her in the studio or like they would give each other messages through like the podcast like I thought that was like a cute um side part also so and now I'm gonna listen to Lore um (laughs) now that I know there's a podcast out there but yeah I mean it was it was kind of cool to read about yeah I liked it I mean I'm a I'm a huge nerd so it played into my nerdy side yeah Definitely. And like, speaking of like the time in New York, another one of my favorite parts about this book is like the found family feeling that like Grace has managed to find like an amazing community of friends, both in Portland and New York. Um, So many amazing queer uh, people, like side characters in this book. What were, who are your guys' favorites? Oh God. Hold on. I have to remember names. Somebody else can go. I don't know. I'm not good at picking like a favorite thing, but I really, really liked Yuki and her roommates like relationship that felt like such a fun house that I would want to live in. Um, Like just me and like four of my like queer friends and they were just like baking and doing art and like having such so much fun. I and they but they also were like there for each other they would like get up in early in the morning to go like monster hunting with like Yuki I don't know I loved that um like part of the of the book like those relationships were really cute and they like accepted Grayson really quickly like that was just my dream yeah somebody that I um think very highly of on Instagram um just reviewed this book I like was messaging her going, where's your review? I know you read this book. Did you hate it? Like, is that why you haven't reviewed it? So I'm really excited. Um, she finally reviewed it. She said that the true love story in this book was the family, the friendships, like the found family and the friendships. Like that was honestly where the love in this book was more so than between Yuki and Grace. And I totally agree. I thought like, they're like, you're hundred percent right. I want those friendships. Like I want a group that's as close as that, that does crazy things like wake up at four in the morning to get to a lake by seven so that they can go monster hunting. Like that's the dream. And I think the fact that both Yuki and Grace surrounded each other, surrounded themselves with people that are so uplifting and supportive shows what kind of people they are as well. Like that they're truly good people, even if they're lost in their own loneliness or their own dreams or, or whatever the case is. Funny you guys keep mentioning like Yuki's roommates, but I definitely was more like moved by uh, Jimena, is that how you say it? Um, Yeah, I think that's how you say it. That's how I was saying it in my head. I loved her too. Yeah, and Agnes, especially Agnes, like the fact that they're like these three broken women that like 
and messy women that like just embrace each other for all of that and love each other for all of that. And in the way that they talk about how they got together with like Hannah um, helping Grace's dad in the hospital and then helping Agnes in the hospital and how they like kind of take Agnes in and help her when she's like in her darkest time. Like they just, they love each other so much for all of their flaws and like, I don't know. I just, I thought that their friendships were like so powerful. Although I was a little bit confused confused about all of their dynamics. Like at some point I was like, are they a thruple? Like, well, I think that happened at the end, right? Like I'm pretty sure that, um, that Agnes and Jimena and, um, Raj's sister. What's her name? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were a thruple. Oh, I missed that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure that like at the wedding they said something and I was like I think they're actually going to be officially like I want to read more like she could write an entire series about the all of these characters I love them that much yeah I was gonna say like I I agree um completely that they're like the relationships that Grace had with um her friends were also just like so incredible but I really just enjoyed that like how fleshed out all the like friends characters were um and like I don't know it just there was something like nice about I don't know it just it 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 really added to the story I think to have such like vivid characters that like were their own people um and also like you know had these great relationships with each other such a short book like it's not a long book it was a fast read but I felt like I knew all of them very very well by the time I got to the end And even like Raj and Mira and Baba, whatever his last name is, um, like even them, like I, I just, I loved all of them. Like they were their own little family. Like I just, I wanted to root for literally everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There was, and even her relationship with her dad, which was difficult and which was not super, was not healthy. I still like the end where they were finally starting to connect and where he was calling her grace instead of porter and like telling her he was proud of her like i was rooting for their relationship to get better too Mm -hmm. because he wanted to support her and how like oh my gosh when he talked about her graduation he was like i'm seeing all these people shake hands and schmooze and i know that they can do anything to help their kids and i don't know anyone in that field and i can't like that is so heartbreaking and so i I rooted for every single character in this book. Yeah. Speaking of that scene, that scene was super powerful because um, it's like a father who like just wants his daughter to succeed so much, but he like knew that the like systemic barriers like were always going to be an issue for her. And he, yeah, he literally had like, could not help it at all was like another way that like the like Grace's, like race and the racism that was prevalent throughout this book was just like so powerful and like such a big part of the story like I would have never thought like a parent would like just automatically see that and like worry for his kid on her graduation day but like it makes total sense and like it that like made me see the colonel in like such a different light for sure and like also another part going with like the the racism and homophobia that Grace deals with in the academic field like I just I felt for her so much when 
you know, she was just trying to find a job and she was like, I'm just as smart. I'm just as capable. I work just as hard. And like, I have these issues or like these barriers that are preventing me from doing this. And like, she knew that her mentor like was kind of blind to it. And like, that was, I feel like another really powerful part of the book is, is that like, she knew her mentor saw the best in her, but like, she's like, you, like, she just knew that she didn't get it. Yeah, her mentor was a white woman that thought that I I truly believe considered herself an ally and considered herself a, a spokesperson for Grace and that was going to put Grace out, out there and help her get what she needed to, to succeed. But she only saw one dimension of Grace of Grace, which was that she was a woman in this field. And she, the her this this doctor, her mentor had overcome that. She was a woman in the field and she'd succeeded. And so she, but she failed to think about these other, these other pieces of Grace's life that are, have a huge impact. The fact that she's black, the fact that she's a lesbian, right? Um, I couldn't remember, sorry. Um, and so she failed to, to pick those up. And that's why I think reading these books is so important so that we as white allies can realize the different facets that we need to be paying attention to and thinking about in our relationships with with our black friends and black coworkers and 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 colleagues. Yeah, absolutely cuz like when I when I was reading it I was like, "Oh, at first I was like, oh, her mentor is like trying to help her get that second interview with that company like cuz she really believes she can do it, but it made me think that like maybe that's not the best way to be an ally is just to try to like put push someone into a role that like is is not going to respect them for who they are." Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, even that showed, like, you know, the professor meant well, clearly, but if she had actually, like, listened to what Grace had been telling her, she probably, you know, would have taken a different approach or had, would have wanted to have a conversation with her about what she was interested in, so, um, or, like, what path she saw for herself more so than, like, this one that the professor had, like, preordained, I can't remember the professor's name, Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so I think, I think that really showed showed that as well. Yeah, definitely makes me like reconsider better ways to be an ally, which is what books should be doing. So I'm happy to read books like this. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, let's move on to a fun part, star ratings. How did everyone rate this? Five stars, uh, all the stars. <laughs> like I, I, it was perfect book. I loved it. Yeah, I gave it five stars on Goodreads, although if, like, they had a system that, like, was partial, I probably would have given it, like, four and a half, just because, again, the romance was, like, not surface level, but, like, I don't know, I just wish we had explored that a little bit more, um, but, like, definitely the coming of age and Grace's development part, that part was five stars, but, like, overall, gave would give it four and a half. Fair. So, I guess I'm um, a harsher critic. <laughs> um, I gave it three three and a half I really liked reading it like I really enjoyed it um I I especially like I said before like I enjoyed the part um with especially in New York but with Yuki and Grace but it just felt like all the parts of the book were very disjointed to me and um like it just I just like couldn't figure out what the point of like all the different pieces was I guess like it didn't feel like the the plot line with the marriage ever like really resolved I mean at the very very end they had like a little bit of a resolution but like there wasn't much in that and then I felt like 
her like mental health journey was important, but it wasn't really like interwoven with the rest of the story. I don't know. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like, I think I would have really enjoyed if like either one of those parts had been the story. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. It was a lot for such a short book to try and get it all into. Um, Okay, Katie, I know that we're running up on time for you, but before we let you go, uh, you have to tell us what book everyone you think everyone should read. Okay, this is hard because when we're talking about everyone, <laughs> I don't like, I don't know. I feel like I need to have some like deep like um, book that like teaches you about life. I don't well. know. <laughs> but what I came up with is the book Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie I think I said that right she um has written a few books and she's like really well known for like she has this TED talk about uh like the danger of like telling only one story anyway um it's about two um people who live in Nigeria one moves to the UK and one moves to the US and it's like their love story but it's not really a romance it's like much more contemporary um but it's just like is such it's so beautifully written it's like really meaningful the story it it addresses like so many different um societal like themes and issues it's pretty long I think it's like 600 pages um and it just like, I loved it so much. I was like walking down the sidewalk reading it um, a few wow. years ago when I read it. So that is my, one of my favorite books and like my recommendation. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I've heard about that book and I've just never picked it up, but now I definitely will. Yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to reread it. It's really good. I'll read that if you read Red, White, and Royal Blue. <laughs> I'm gonna read Red, White, and Royal Blue one of these days. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you for um, having me. Okay, well, I we had such a fun time discussing Honey Girl with Katie, um, and I can't wait. Well, I think Peyton can't wait for our next book. Um, this is her pick. Uh, Peyton, what's our next read? I have been uh, working on the best way to force Bailey to read this book for a little while now, and hopefully we will have a super amazing guest to accompany our conversation, um, but we are going to read Lore and Lust by Carla Nicole. Um, it is her debut novel, um, came out last year, I think, maybe 2019, um, but I'm super excited. Uh, it's a smutty vampire romance, so everyone buckle in. It's going to be a fabulous time um poor bailey she'll get, get she'll get over it <laughs> um but bailey do you want to tell everyone where they can find us for the next episode yeah absolutely so you can find us um on instagram at you have to read this book podcast um so go give us a follow on there and interact with us because we love to hear from you. And then in our bio on um, in, on Instagram, you can get a link to where you can find our podcast on all the sites, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, like wherever yeah. podcasts are found, basically. Um, and go give us a follow, a subscribe, depending on the site. Leave us a review and a rating. We love to see them. We will give you a shout out. Um, we, we love to hear from you. Yeah. 
Um, and you can follow my bookstagram. It's at books underscore and underscore bourbon underscore. I just made a really fun gin cocktail last week and I have a good bourbon one that I'm, I actually um, did not come up with. It's not my recipe, but that I think will go really well with Honey Girl. So um, you can check me out there. And mine is at booked by Bailey, Bailey's B-A-I-L-I-E because my parents decided to be special. Um, and lastly, we are going to try this sign off, um, and try to say it at the same time. We never do, but wish us luck. Cheers, Cheers friends. friends. Whoa. (laughs)